Thank you for joining me in today's broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. I know you're going to be blessed and touched by God's unconditional love today. The vision that we have is to share this unconditional love with you so that you can be established in the message of grace. Amen. I want to welcome all the Web Church members and all the people that are first-time viewers of Dynamic Web Church. I know that this message that we've got in our hearts today is going to bless you. Today we're going to speak a little bit about Romans chapter 9 and there were some challenging scriptures in Romans chapter 9 that I studied out last night and am so excited to share to you today. Amen. Now, I want to just read um, a scripture in Galatians chapter 5 and uh, then we're going to pray and go over to the worship. Um, right, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. It says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Let me read it again. It says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And that is what Dynamic Web Church is all about, is to provide a place where people all over the world, that don't have a grace-based church in the area where they are, um, to, to provide a platform where they can know that they can stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. So, God has set us free, man. He has come to give us liberty, freedom from the law. And that's the context that he talks about. Freedom from the law. And freedom from the law means freedom from sin, freedom from bondage, freedom from frustration, freedom from death, and just um, bounded by love, bounded by righteousness, bounded by... Uh, um, imagine to be enslaved to righteousness, to be enslaved to prosperity, to be enslaved to the goodness and the unconditional love of God. That is what it's all about. So, we are set free. And Dynamic uh, Web Church is a church that helps people to stay in a place where they will not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. So many times we, in this life, we so easily get entangled into the yoke of bondage because of different doctrines and different teachings. But I want to just encourage you and assure you that in Dynamic Web Church, the vision that we have is to just preach this unconditional love of God, the message of God's grace, to keep people in the place where they can be free. Amen. Let's just read on a bit. It says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that, if you, uh, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. You are fallen. From grace. Now, I'm not trying to preach condemnation saying, oh well, if you, if you under any law, then you know I'm going to go to hell. That's not what I'm trying to say. What, I'm, what we are saying here is that we want to provide an environment, a, a law-free environment, where grace just permeates the air, where everything is just full of God's unconditional love. And that is to keep people free, so they can stay under the influential power of God which is the grace of God. So, man, everybody that is slotted in, you are so welcome to partake today. I'm excited in my heart about this. Man, you know, uh, we've got some wonderful developments going on now in, um, in the ministry. We are starting a church in our black community with uh, Brother Tabu that's come down from Johannesburg. That's finished, finished the uh, five-minute Bible school, the first 14 subjects. And he's here with us. He's, he's with me in the studio today. And um, we'll have him minister one Sunday and just share the gospel with you as well. And that, that will be good. Uh, we're going to start a church 
with him in the area and then also in Cape Town we're going to look at some of the big communities there um, uh, in the uh, squatter camps wherever you know where there's a great need for the message of grace we're going to plant some churches in Cape Town as well so I'm excited you know this message of grace is really going to go into all the world you know maybe we have not received this planet as now and all the prosperity of this planet as for now, and I know in the, the return of the Lord there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and we will inherit that earth. But the earth and everything that's in this earth today belongs to the Lord. And what He promised us is the nations. The nations is what we have today. He says, man, ask of me the nations. So, that's one thing that I know God gives us. He gives us the nations. I'm not interested in gold and a nice car and a massive house and big aeroplanes and all of that. No, yes, we can have that. God can give us that. And and I believe that as we preach the gospel, we find prosperity coming with us. We can't get away from that. But what's in my heart and what's in the heart of God more than silver and gold and all those type of things are the nations. People hearing this because there's nothing more valuable to God than people. You couldn't pay with gold to buy a soul. He couldn't pay with diamonds to buy a soul. He had to give himself because of the worth that people have. We've got such a high worth that God had to give himself to buy us. For we have been created in his image and in his likeness from the beginning. We've never lost our value. Amen. And that was the price that God had to pay. And and then he said, man, listen, there's one thing that I give unto all of you. And that are Christians and I give you the nations. That's what God wants to give us. So when we walk, we say, thank you God that the nation of South Africa belongs to us. That the nations of the world belongs to us. Then we start TV stations. We broadcast on internet live. We, we, um, we fly all over the world. We preach the gospel of grace. And what's nice about this is to have you involved because you are part of that nations and the fulfillment of God's vision for this planet. God's vision for this planet is you. To see His life uh, dwelling in you. To see that you are not fallen from grace, but that you walk in your true identity, which God has given you in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and that you partake of that, that you believe in that, and you say, God, that is mine. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, I just read this just before the worship, because this scripture just produces so much worship in our hearts. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. So we can have boldness and say, well, I shall not be changed um, into the law again. I have changed into the freedom of God, my place where I live, the place where I dwell, the place from where I have a relationship with God, is a place of freedom. It's a place of righteousness. It's a place where I am not, not under a yoke of bondage, which is the law. And we can boldly live there and have our being there. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Well, we're going to go over to the worship now. And and after the worship, we're going to get directly into the Word of God again. Enjoy this worship. Music is a wonderful gift, a thing that God's given to us. That just, you know, um, plays on on those strings of our emotions. Which is wonderful. Because when we, we feel emotional and we hear the, the Word of God, it just enters so much deeper into our belief system. And that's, that's why there's music. And when we listen, or when we worship, we sing the praises of God. 
We don't sing our hunger and our desire and our needs. We sing the praises of God. Because He indwells the praises of His people. So, what it means is, when you praise God, that's where God is. When you are just begging and, and, and all of those type of things, God's not in that. When you sing about all your needs and lack and desert experiences and far from God and please God comes from heaven, come from heaven down and ach please would you one day drop a bit of money out of heaven to bless me. God's not in that. God is in. I have blessed you with everything that is in the heavens. I have blessed you with all that I am. I am with you. I am in you. All your needs has been met according to my riches in glory. God in that. Hallelujah. And when we sing that, we experience God. Because He's in praises. Because He has done so many things. Don't think that when we worship, that's when God manifests. No, He's always there. Don't think that when you worship, then His presence comes down. No, that's not true. Don't think that we're going to worship ourselves into a revival. Forget about that. You know, <laughs> Hallelujah. We've been revived already. The revival has happened. Amen. We're not waiting for a revival someday. Revival has happened. I have been revived. I've been alive once without, uh, without the law. Then the law came and, and sin was revived in me. And then I realized, no, but this is all about grace. And then I was revived into righteousness. And Adam died the death of man. Then Jesus Christ came and He revived man. Made man alive. So that whosoever believes has got access into this grace and are saved from the death wherein they were held because of the sin of Adam. Amen. So we are in a revival. We can just go and proclaim the revival. Hallelujah. What Jesus Christ has done for us. Now, I think that's enough. Let's go over into the worship. I want you to enjoy this. Just open your heart. Sing these words of praise. And... Um, after worship, we're getting right into the Word of God again. Amen. That was just so awesome. You know, as I was just singing that song, that you don't have to know how to say a prayer. You don't have to know all those type of things. You just have to know the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus speaks about who God is. Every time I hear that song, it blesses me. Every time I, 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 I hear that, so, that song of the Father's love, the Father's song over me, how He sings His love over me. And that song has been written for thousands of years already. It's been written in the heavens. It's been written in the body of Jesus Christ. In His hands and in His feet and in His side. In the resurrected Christ. In His love for me has been written. Isn't that awesome? That is God's song over us. Jesus is God's song over us. And if we can just accept that. If, and if the whole world can just know that. And that's what's in my heart and in the heart of God. That the nations can hear this unconditional love of God. This unconditional mercy of God. And I want to just tell you that I think it's a good thing if you can go and just allow God to love you. You know, so many times you, you might have something in your life that you think this shouldn't be like this or that shouldn't be like that. Forget about that thing. Forget about that. Allow God to love you. When it comes to your finances, forget about the money you've sown in the past and your tithes and all those things. Forget about that. And allow God to love you. Allow God to be God in your life. And God is love. Allow God to be love in your life. And like the Bible says in Luke chapter 6, if you love those that love you, what thank have you for even the sinners love those that love them? 
So allow God to be true love. And let Him bless you. Open your belief system that He can bless you in the areas where you think you don't qualify. Amen. That is experiencing now the love of God and the goodness of God. And out of that, start to build a relationship with God. Start to talk to God. Start to have your expectation from God that He will always be like that. Remember, the Bible says God is good and with Him there's no shadow of turning. He's not going to change tomorrow. And men, if the rebellious Jewish nation in, in the desert couldn't get God to change His plan of love, don't think you're going to get it right. You're not going to get God to, to change. He's going to stay God. He's going to stay a God of love. And He's never going to change from that. He's always going to be that God of love. Amen. And you know the thing that I said just before the worship um, about revival. I just want to speak a little bit about that. You know, when you believe that revival must still come, by your faith, you place yourself in a place where you say that God is not really giving you His best today. And you live in a, a, a in Afrikaans, you live in a life. You, you, you're not living feeling valuable to God. Because you think, well, um, you know, in, in Azusa Street, he just poured out something because somebody just um, tickled him just right. And now he gave a drop of blessing. And now we are now seeking and hungering and thirsting and pulling out of the heavens, trying to hit some secret somewhere to get revival. And people go around, I've, I've, I've watched last night a bit on, on television, you know, going around seeking and hungering, twisting the arm of God through ways of, I don't know what, just to get God to pour out another revival, and then that revival must happen there where they are. And then you get words like, you know, God's going to pour out the revival in South Africa, and that's now going to be the greatest revival in the world, and from here it's going to spread everywhere. That's nonsense. That is not a word from God. God's never said something like that and He will never say something like that. All those prophetic words are false. There's not one of them that's true. The truth is that God has poured out the revival in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the planet. Everywhere. There's no place where you can go where the Holy Spirit is not. And that Spirit is there to remind you of everything that we freely received in Christ. Amen. And that's the end and the, the beginning of the revival. If you can believe that, you've got access into what God has freely done in Jesus Christ. And then you experience the fullness of God inside your spirit. For His Spirit is poured out into your heart. The Bible says in Romans 5 verse 5 that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Amen. Hallelujah. And then out of that, we, then we believe what we have received. And through faith, that righteousness which we have received is manifested into our lives according to the faith that you, that you have. Amen. That's it. So, people, please don't think that God sits in heaven. And now he's got this revival that is kept now. And if we just uh, uh, hunger right enough, if we just pray right, if we just pray in tongues right, and do the thing just right, then we're now going to 
get God to give that blessing to us. And it's as if this revival is this wonderful revival and, and now people are seeking to have that wonderful revival poured out in their churches and then they can say to everybody, look, we've got the revival and you don't. Where, 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 where? No ways. God gives to everybody. He gives to everybody that wants it. If you say, my God, I want Jesus. That's what he said in the Old Testament. If you desire righteousness, you shall be filled. If a man under the law can say, this law doesn't satisfy me, and I am still in a need for righteousness, then you'll receive righteousness, then you will be full, and you will be a fountain from where this life flows. It's like with me. I'm already that fountain. I cannot become that fountain. I am that fountain. If you're born of God, you're already that fountain. You can't say, well, one day, oh my God, you are so full of God that it's flowing out of you. You know, if you take a tap and you open the, uh, uh, if you take a glass, you put it on the tap and you open the tap and the water goes into the glass and it runs over. And that glass says, more Lord. <laughs> you don't have enough place, my brother. You don't have enough place, my sister. You are full already. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And the person who drinks of that water just one drop becomes a fountain himself. You don't have to be the fountain supplying him for, the, for time and eternity. That's the way it is. Isn't that awesome? That's the goodness of God. Amen. Now I want to just touch on finances here quickly from just a fresh grace perspective. Um, Luke chapter 4 verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken heart and preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight of the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year or the year of jubilee of the Lord. Now, um, when it comes to money, you might say badly, but how can you use this scripture on money? This speaks about the work of Jesus Christ. Now, there's something very profound here that we can use when it comes to finances. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Amen. Hallelujah. Then so many times, and I've always believed, that that speaks of the spiritual poor. But that does not speak of the spiritual poor. It speaks of those who don't have money. That word poor there in the Greek means not having money. To be a beggar. To ask people for money. And, and the context is firstly and um, it can also be used in a spiritual sense if you study the Greek, but the emphasis is much more on physically poor, physical poverty. That's what it is. Because the rest of the verse speaks of the spiritually poor. He says, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty, de- uh, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the year of acceptance of God. So there's a physical and a spiritual thing here. So Jesus Christ came and He preached the gospel to the poor. Now, uh, what is significant about this is, if tithing and sowing and reaping was an answer to the poor, why did Jesus Christ come to the poor? Because then, I mean, He would have sent the Pharisees to them. Because then they would have preached the tithe. But Jesus Christ came and He came and gave a message to the poor. And what did Jesus do to the poor? He gave to the poor. 
He blessed the poor. He gave the gospel to the poor. So that those, the poor people could buy the gospel, be enriched and get out of their poverty. One should never think that God doesn't have compassion on poor people. God loves the poor. And He's got compassion on the poor. And He wants to be merciful towards the poor. You know, there was a rich man in Lazarus. Lazarus went to heaven. You know, God didn't overlook Lazarus because he was poor. You know, so many times, excuse me, we, we overlook the poor. We can't do that. And, and Jesus said so clearly, He says, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Hallelujah. He identifies Himself so much with the poor and those that have nothing that He says that is Him. That's how much He identifies Himself. That's where His compassion is. So, um, know this, that He came to preach the gospel to the poor because through the gospel is the way unto prosperity. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And we've always said it's just the way to the Father. No, it's the way to the Father, yes, but it's also the way to healing. It's also the way to peace. It's also the way to the Father. It's also the way into heaven. It's also the way to see the kingdom of God. It's also the way to prosperity. But what we've done is, so many times, and what people have thought, this, and this is the way it's been ministered, is that, you know, Jesus is the way to the Father, He's the way to healing, He's the, he's, he's the way to righteousness, He's the way to peace, He's the way to joy, He's the way to a healthy family life, He's the way to a healthy marriage, He's the way to, to a successful children and a successful life, and tithing is the way to blessing. It doesn't sound right. <laughs> it just doesn't sound right. Man, you don't have to go and study a lot of scripture to know that through Jesus Christ is also prosperity financially. The Bible says in, in, in Timothy, clearly, let's see if I can quickly, quickly find it. First um, Timothy chapter 6. It says here... Um, Just, just listen to this. It says in verse 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. It didn't say tithing with sowing and naming the seed. It says godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, this is not a law to say, well, you need to live godly now and be content. You know, godliness is something that we've received as a gift because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so much more, Contentment. Contentment is something that flows out of the nature of God, you know. And that is great gain. That can bring great gain into our lives, in relationships with people, in finances and everything. Amen. Then it goes on, it says, For we brought nothing into this world, and is certain we can carry nothing out. You know, I think that there should be a balance in our lives when it comes to finance. It doesn't help we, we go on about money as if we're going to take it with us to heaven. And as if it's got eternal value. It, the Bible says we came into this world with nothing and we are certain. There's one thing that you can be certain of. And that is that you're not going to have a trailer towed behind the car that carries your body when you're going to be buried. You can't take stuff with. That's the way it is. So know that this is just earthly stuff. There's nothing great about it. It's, you know the fact that you rich doesn't speak of go- your godliness. The fact that you've been made the righteousness of God. The fact that God made a promise to you. The fact that you've been made of God. 
that gives you your value. Not what you possess. Your possessions doesn't give you value. Your possessions in this world can give you access to um, easily preaching the gospel and those type of things. But God can also open other doors as well. You know, so um, let's not put... Uh, yes, it's valuable to, ble- to be blessed financially and God doesn't want us to be poor. So, I think the fact... Uh, the, the, the reason why God doesn't want us poor is because of the suffering that a person goes through when he's poor. When he doesn't have food and when he doesn't have clothes and and all the insults and all those things that come with, with, with poverty. God doesn't want that, like with sin. You know, God doesn't have anything against alcohol. But the abuse of alcohol, he, man, He hates that. Because it destroys His people. It brings, it, it brings, it breaks marriages. People get killed in motor car accidents. People get paralyzed and, and it, it takes away their normal mind. It makes them somebody who they are not and all that. That's why God's against that. Um, you know, in, in, in the same way, I think that's why, why God is against um, poverty. But in the same way, I believe that He is not blessed when we find our identity in what we possess. Because that's also abuse of substance. Now, I don't want to lay down laws, but I just want to share with you the heart of God concerning this. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothes, let us therewith be content. Man, isn't that awesome? Now listen to verse 9. But they that want to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drawn men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covered after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness and godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Now, that, now I just want to just touch on this a little bit here. What he says here is, it is so, so simple. He says, listen, you brought nothing into this world and you're going to carry nothing out. So, that is not what is of value. Be thankful, be gracious, have, have gratitude in your heart when you've got clothes and food. And you might say, why so little? And one day I ask God, God, why so little? And the Lord said to me, so that everybody can know they are rich. Because you've got more than clothes and food, you are, you've got more than what you can be content with. So if, if it's more than that, you can see yourself as prosperous. And as a man believes in his heart, so easy. So you'll start to believe that God makes you prosperous. And what you have, you will not see as a curse, but you'll see it as a blessing from God. Amen. And when you see that as a blessing from God, you've got excitement in your heart, you've got joy in your heart, and the enemy cannot accuse you anymore. He can't say, oh, you know, God's not providing for you. Look at this, look at that. No, no. Then you can say, man, I've got more than enough. Look at God as a provider. And you can start to see what God has truly done. Um, that's why I believe he says, with clothes and food, there with be content. And then he goes on, he says, but they that want to be rich fall into many temptations. Now, uh, uh, I've studied that in the series on, on, on finances. You can just see, look into that more in depth. But those that want to be rich, in other words, those that don't see that they are already rich in the finished work of Jesus Christ when it comes to money, they will still have a desire to be rich. And they will fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and hurtful lusts. You know, if, I, if, if you still got a desire 
to be rich. I can come with a teaching and tell you, listen, if you tithe, then God's going to bless you. And you'll fall for it. You know, a hungry person can be tempted with food. Man, he can be tempted with anything that looks like food. Um, and the same with, with finances. If you've got this thing, I must, I want to be still rich. I don't see my, my prosperity because of Jesus. I don't find that, man, I've got clothes, I've got food, and man, I've even got a car. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've got a cell phone. I've got uh, a wife and children. Man, I've got, I don't just have clothes on my body, I've got even clothes in the cupboard. I've got a cupboard to put the clothes into. I've got a bag to put my clothes into. I've got, man, isn't God awesome? Hallelujah. You know, if you don't have that, but you're still desiring prosperity, you're in a place where you can be tempted. And you can be tempted with something that's going to hurt you, my brother. And you'll start to believe, you know, God's only going to give to me if I give. God's only going to give to me if I, if I tithe and all those type of things. And then you're going to find that it doesn't work. And then after you found that it doesn't work, then you're going to start to look into your life. Where am I missing it? Where is sin in my life? Am I not patient enough? Am I not kind enough? Don't I love people enough? And you'll start to fall back into the law and you'll feel discouraged. You'll feel disqualified and far from God. And it all started with not having a revelation of what God has done for you financially. Amen. Listen man. As born again children of God, that's in the grace of God, you cannot get away from prosperity. You've been enslaved. You, you've been enslaved to blessing. Blessing will follow you. It's, uh, the Bible says, first seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Not your righteousness by your works, but the right that He has to prosperity. And all these things shall be added unto you, for God knows that you've got need of these things. So, as much as what God knows that we've got need of these things, that's how much our needs will be met and how we can rest in the character of God. So church, I just want to encourage you, don't fall into the snare. Amen. Know what God has freely given to you in Jesus Christ. And I just want to say this, I'm never going to compromise by the grace of God. I'm never going to compromise on this message. I'm not going to because, you know, maybe I want a TV station. Maybe I want this or that. But I'm so happy with what I've got now that I cannot be tempted with that. I thank God for the live broadcast that I can do right now. Broadcasters all over the world. I'm so satisfied with it that I cannot be tempted with a TV station or with 20 other more broadcasts. It can never come as temptation. It can only come as a blessing. Um, so if the way, the way is open, I, I'm not going to fall into, do these five things, then you're going to have a TV station. No, no. If I must do those five things to have a TV station, then it's too much work. And then I'd rather go with what I've got now. Amen. Because I'm not going to give up the peace and the rest and the righteousness that God has given me for something because now I desire this big thing. No. I'm going to live with what God's given me and I'm satisfied and by who God is. There's just no way that we're not going to be uh, uh, blessed financially. There's just no way. Look at who God is. Look at what He's done to Abraham. How He blessed, uh, uh, um, oh, what's the guy's name? Solomon. And all the, uh, Job and people were just blessed. That's just who God is. Amen. Hallelujah. But we don't measure our blessing by what we've got in the bank. We measure our blessing by what we've got in heaven. Because He'll meet our needs according to His riches 
according to, which is in His glory, which is in the heavens by Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that's enough about finances. Bless God. If we give, we give out of who we are. Amen. And then the, the place you give to, if you give to this web church, um, the, we use that money to preach the gospel. <laughs> Bless Jesus. Amen. That's just the way it works. So we use the money to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. And not, not to try and enrich ourselves and, and try and find our identity in what we wear and what we drive. Identity. Man, if I must find my identity in having the greatest, biggest, brand new car and jet in the biggest palace in the world, I'm really degrading myself. Because I'm worth much more than that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, church, just find rest. I don't know why, but I just feel in my heart that I had to say this this morning. So, maybe there's some of you that feel, man, my finances, look at the situation, or this or that. Thank you, Jesus. Let, I just want to pray for you. Thank you, Father, for people all over the world that's watching this right now. And I can just speak your peace over them. I say, heart, be at rest. Mind, be at peace. The fullness of God indwells you. You're the righteousness of God. God is your exceeding great reward. Hallelujah. Money is not your reward. God is your reward. Don't find your reward in what you, what you possess. Find in God that you've already received. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. I call them blessed. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. As surely as what God lives, your needs are met in Jesus Christ. Thank you, my God. Right. I want to go to Romans chapter 9. Now, there's some challenging verses in Romans chapter 9, and we'll see how far we get today. Uh, Romans chapter 9 verse 1, it says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed for Christ, for my, uh, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now listen, Paul is saying something here that is uh, too much for me to bear. Uh, uh, I, I, I can't say this. But this is what he said. He says, for, he says, I've got such a burden for Israel. Now he's talking about physical Israel, the Israelites, the twelve tribes and the physical Israelites. He says, I've got such a burden for them that I wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. Now what he's saying there, what he was actually saying was, if you read the context of it, he was calling them accursed. Because he said, they are cursed, I'm in Christ. And because that's the way, Christ is the way, they are actually cursed, for they don't want Christ. But if I could be the cursed one, and they could be in Christ, I'll take it. Now, I can never. Uh, that's just too much for me. I, I don't know. Jesus did that. He was willing to be separated from the Father. To, 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 for us, to have righteousness. And that is a love that I think is, is so high to come into the heart of a man. It can never be attained by uh, um, human ability. It's impossible. That's what, what, what God did with Jesus. Jesus was there. He was willing to become sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God. And He was the righteousness of God. And that's just the love of God. That is the, the agape love of God. So I just want to say this to you. Don't try and work that up. <laughs> 
if God doesn't do that in you, if that's not a fruit of the Spirit of God that's in you, it will never happen. Now, thank God that we don't have to become accursed for anybody to be saved. Because there's only one that could do that, and that's Jesus Christ. But that was the place where Paul was for his kinsmen, for his brethren. He says, um, he says in verse 4, Who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption and the glory and the covenants? You know what it was actually saying in the message says, who, was, who were actually supposed to naturally uh, uh, grab a hold of the adoption. In other words, naturally would have said, and this is what, what I think um, Paul was trying to say, these guys, they had the law, they had the covenants, they had the promises, they had everything, and when Jesus came, they should have naturally just said, yes, I, I received the adoption as a son, spiritually what God has done for them, but they never did that. Um, only a few of them. It says, who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the services of God and the promises. Now that's just all the Old Testament things. I'm not going to go into that now. Who are the fathers of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came. Now this Christ who is all, um, over all God blessed forever. Amen. So what he says, out of, out of natural Israel came Jesus and they received all these things. And my heart is for them. And, and I feel that they, you know, that I'm blessed. They actually cursed. He didn't say that directly. But he says, if I could be cursed so that they could be blessed. And then between the lines you can read, read that he's actually saying that they're under the curse. And they were. Because the Bible says, curses everyone that's under the law. And we've read it as well today. That the Bible clearly says that if you seek justification by the law, Christ will profit you nothing. And you've become, you, you are fallen from grace. So how, I mean, you're under the curse. Now, listen to this. Not as though, says, I've got sorrow, but not as though the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. So not all the Israelites are called Israel. If, the fact that somebody is an Israelite doesn't make him part of Israel. True Israel are those that believe in what God has done. Amen. Bible says, who's a Jew but he that is circumcised in heart? Talking about um, anybody who believes. Amen. So true Israel are those that believe. And, and by making that statement, he is now from there really getting deep into things. It says here, neither because they are the seed of Abraham. So because they are the seed of Abraham, because they are of the physical genealogy of Abraham, that doesn't make you an heir. And uh, so many times in churches today we find people baptizing babies because they say, you know, they've been born out of the mother and now we baptize them because that means they're born out of us and they're part of the covenant of God. That's not the truth. Flesh and blood can never inherit the kingdom of God. The fact that your your child is born out of you because of your the, the physically born out of a mother that doesn't give him the kingdom of God and that's the same here he says that all that are of Israel are not Israelites neither all that are of the seed of Abraham are children but in Isaac shall thy seed be called that is in other words Abraham had children um, that was of, of, of Isaac and, uh, uh, I mean, he, he also had Hagar. So, where the children come from that side, Ishmael. So, then he says, that is they which are children of the flesh. These are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for seed. For this is the word of the promise. 
So what he says is, people that partake of who God is out of the promise, they are children of God. Then he goes on and explains. He says, at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, and not works, but of him that calls. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. So, what he was saying was, listen, these people received, Abraham received Isaac by promise. And then, Jacob and how it was with him was by promise. God gave a promise before the children were born. And now what he's trying to do is to tell us that we are partakers of God and everything that God has by the promise and not by the works of the law. So, um, this is very, very important. He says that um, uh, 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 he made a promise. Let's just read there verse verse 11. It says here, um, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our uh, father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand and not works, but of him that calls. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As is written, Jacob have I loved, and Israel have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. Now, we're going to go into those scriptures, which is actually a bit difficult to explain, but I'll try my best. The... What he's saying here, and this is the, the, the whole thing that Paul wants to bring out in Romans chapter 9. Before the children were born, God decided against the traditional laws of that time that the older one will be blessed and the younger one will serve the older one. And God said it will not be by traditions of man, it will not be by the customs of people, It will not be by any law or regulation, but it will be by God who decides before anybody has done anything good or bad that the person will be blessed because God decided it. It's by God's election. God elects people. He elected people. Now, we must also remember that this does not pertain to individuals. In other words, it's not, well, God decides you're going to be blessed and you're going to be cursed. That's not how it works. The context of this is a nation. Because if I, I went back and, and to, to Genesis and I read this um, last night. What he was saying, I, I mean, there was Rebecca. She was asking God, God, why are, because her sons were fighting with each other in the womb. He says, God, why are they fighting? He says, because there's two nations in you. So what God actually said, He decides, He he called a certain nation. He decided that there will be a certain nation that will be blessed. And that nation that will be blessed are those that that inherit everything through the promises of God, through the finished work of Jesus Christ. The the people that are physical Israel, they're not the people of God. Now, let, let me put it this way. Everybody is the people of God that believe in Jesus Christ. So you cannot be, you can be part of physical Israel and not be a, per, a person of God or a, and the nation of God because of your physical genealogy, but you can be part of God's nation or God's people because you are part of physical Israel, but believed on Jesus. So faith in Jesus Christ, the fact that you believe it's not by my works, 
but by the election. You say, I partake in the being the nation of God or the people of God. For He chose me before I did anything good or bad or anything. God doesn't choose you because you are, you've done good things. He chose you because He's God. And He decided to make it easy for man. And you cannot do anything about that. He decided it's going to be easy. And that's it. So you can make it, you, man, let me tell you something, you can try and make it as difficult as what you can and by all the power and reinforcements and media and whatever to try and make it difficult. Man, it, it's, it's, it's like uh, um, try, trying to work up a hurricane with your own breath blowing, comparing to the strength of a hurricane. You are wasting your time. Because God decided by His goodness and by His nature that He has elected all people to be righteous by the finished work of Jesus Christ, simply having access into that through faith. That is it. We're not made righteous by our works. We're not made righteous by where we're born from. We're not made righteous by our willpower. We are made righteous by the finished work of Jesus, and God gives that righteousness to the whole world. If you're a first-time viewer, He's giving this to you today as a free gift. And that is the only way you're going to be righteous before God. It's easy or it's nothing. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's the way God decided. Now you can say, well, I don't agree with that. I'm going to work up a storm. I'm going to work for God. You're going to waste your time and your energy and then at the end of the day, once you're tired, you can come to a place and say, oh God, be merciful to me and you'll receive salvation by what he said in the beginning. A gift. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's what he tries to say here. Let me read it again. It's so, so powerful. It says, for the children being not yet born. Say they're not yet born. Neither having done any good or evil. So, you know, um, if God pronounced this later on, you know, after the birth, or after 10 years, or, or at the, if, 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 if God came and, and um, worked in Isaac, and He just blessed Jacob and not Esau, because He supernaturally worked, we might have said, yeah, you know, uh, Jacob did this, and Esau did that. And we would have read into the depths of the Scriptures to find something wrong with Esau. But thank God for what He said. Before they were born, and now the whole thing about Jacob, you know, if you want to go in after you want, he was a scalar, man. Really, he was not the, the, the in his conduct, I mean, he was really, really, he, he stole from his brother. That's what he did. He stole from his brother. I believe that the father would have wanted to bless um, the, the Esau. But then Jacob stole it. But if he didn't steal it, when the Father spoke, I believe the Holy Spirit would have been on the Father. And he would have pronounced the blessing over Jacob. But Jacob still stole the thing. That's what they did, him and his mother. So, um, it was not in the good or bad that they did. It was just in God deciding. And then after God decided this guy, it would be this guy, he was still a scalum. But what God decided, that's the way it's going to be. So God said, you'll become righteous by my finished work. And now there are many people that are sinners today, but that's what God pronounces over people. 
And if they can just believe that, amen, that's what, they have access into that grace. Hallelujah. Verse 12. In that it was said unto her that the elders shall serve the younger. And it is written, Jacob have I loved and Israel have I hated. Now, so many people might say, you know, what, it's the unrighteousness with God because God now decided He's going to bless Jacob and all of a sudden Esau hasn't even done anything good. Now he hates him. Now, when I read in Genesis, you know Esau was blessed. He was blessed. And there was peace between the brothers as well at the end. Um, so it, and, and everything that's good comes from God. So God had blessed Esau. But I believe that in pronouncing God, well, anyway, God never pr- pronounced hatred over Esau in Genesis. In Malachi chapter 1, it's written um, uh, that God hated Esau, you know, by Malachi. So it could have been something Malachi wrote as well, but you can say it's inspired, so I don't want to argue that away. Um, but, uh, uh, because the context was that I, in Malachi, let's go to Malachi chapter 1, let's read it quickly. This is awesome. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. This is 1 verse 1. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, wherein has thou loved us? Now look at this. God says, I love you. Okay, now where have you loved us? We don't feel loved or whatever. Why do you love us? Why do you say you love us? Was not um, Esau Jacob's brother? This is what God says. Says the Lord, yet I loved Jacob and hated Esau and laid his mountains on his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. So there was a time when Esau went through hard times but at the end of his life he was blessed. But l- listen to this. He says, listen, I've chosen to love you. God decided to love us. And his love is manifested in this that he gave his son that we can live through his son and not through the law of Moses. That's how he loved us. And there are many people today that say, Oh God, God, God comes and says, I love you. He says, oh, where have you loved me? Look at my shoes. Look at my car. Where have you loved me? He says, listen, look at Esau. And look at Jacob. I have loved Jacob. How has he loved you? By, by choice, before you do anything right or wrong, and by saying it's not by your works, I declare you righteous by what Jesus done, not by what you do, and that you can have your life through Jesus, and that you can live by His obedience on your behalf. Hallelujah. That's how God loves us. So don't try and seek your love in the type of shoes you wear. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah! It's like it's like my sons, you know. Um, I, I so I buy each one of them a car and I give them a house and everything, and then they say, "Well, Daddy, you don't love me because um, my brother received two marshmallows and I received three marshmallows, or one less, or whatever." Now I'm not loved. You measure yourself on the wrong thing, man. Look what I've done for you. I've given you everything. So God has given us, don't try and measure the love of God by what you possess. It's the wrong way of looking. It's, love is not found in what you possess. Love is found in possessing God. Love is found in that I can live through Jesus. That the righteousness of God has been imputed to me. And that my sins has been imputed to Jesus. Amen. That I could become the righteousness of God by what He's done for me freely. That I've got access into that by faith. The Holy Spirit is given to me as a guarantee of 
the kingdom to come. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Now let's go on. How much time do I have left there? Okay, 15 minutes. Okay. Right. Uh, you know, once you start sharing the grace of God, an hour is nothing. Now it says, What shall we say then? Is the unrighteousness with God? For he said to Mo, God forbid. He says, this is wrong. How can God just decide? You know? He likes the one, doesn't like the other one. Now, that is from the perspective of the Jewish people. Now, this is unrighteous because we were the people of God now and we tried to seek righteousness through the law. Now, God decides that it's going to be by grace. No, that's not right. You know? No, no. There's no unrighteousness with God because there's something that God kept back for Himself. And He said to Moses, and this is verse 15. He says, For He said unto Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, that's what God said to Moses. So he had to share that with the people as well. God's going to have mercy on whom he wants to have mercy. And God decided by himself that he's going to have mercy on the whole planet by giving them the message of grace and that it will be not by their works. Now it sounds unrighteous to the man who seeks justification by his works. That's why people get angry when, when they, with what Jesus done. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill Paul. For he said, it's not by your works. There was James saying, oh Paul, you, you know, quickly go and pay for these guys. Go and read Acts 21 that the people will not think that you are saying things against the customs of Moses. And they were compromising. And eventually they almost killed Paul. The apostle of grace. The man given by God. To, 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 uh, through which the message of grace came to us, laying the foundation. The Apostle Paul was almost killed by the body of Christ. According to Acts 21, go and read it there. Every time I say that, every time I read it, it's just phenomenal. Because they were still zealous of the law. Because righteousness by the finished work of Jesus, in the eyes of the law, is called an unrighteousness, unfair. Not right. How can he be blessed? You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 4, and I've read it so many times, it says, the faith that says that God blesses the ungodly is counted for righteousness. Now, the law says that is unrighteous. You know, that's not right. How can you bless the ungodly? If you read the letter of the law, but if you read the true interpretation of the law, that's good. It's allowed. So, there's no unrighteousness with God because he decided in the beginning that he's going to bless of uh, 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 faith. He's going to bless people by the finished work of Jesus, not by their works. For he said unto Moses, he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that wills, nor of him that runs, but of God that chose mercy. <laughs> Hallelujah! That's the good news. That is what gives people life. That, that scripture there is what gives me power to preach the gospel. That's what makes me say, my God, people need to hear this finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's not of Him that wills. Now I've got news for you. You can will until you're blue in the face to have a revival. It's not going to be by your willpower. I will have this revival. I will. Take a break, brother. Go and rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ and discover that you have already got it. This, this, this one guy, Andrew Womack, wrote a book and on the cover he's got a dog chasing his own tail. 
saying, why do you chase what you've got? You'll just, you'll run a hole into the ground, not getting what you've got. You, man, that is just the way it is. And, and let's realize that it's not by him that wills. It's not by him that runs. It's not by how hard you run your race. But of God that shows mercy. And I've said it so many times. If you next to the road and you hitchhiking and somebody stops and picks you up, you will reach your destination much, much faster on the mercy of another guy than on your ability to walk. For the scripture says unto Pharaoh, listen to this, For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore, uh, therefore has he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he will, he hardens. Now that sounds... Very, very hard. But we need to go and read the context of that. I hope I've got enough time. I'll do a little bit of that today and then next Sunday I will explain more of that. Let's go to uh, Exodus 4 verse 27. Before I go there, I want to just give the answer and then we're going to read the scriptures. It sounds like God just hardens the heart of one man and then He softens the heart of another man and then He blesses the one and then supernaturally by some mystery He just hardened this guy. That's not what it actually says. Um, God shows mercy. Now, it literally say, says it this way in the Greek here. But if we go back and look at the situation, we can see something different. You know, if I preach grace to people, the one it will harden, and the other one it will bless. So, God has got mercy on whomsoever He wants to have mercy, and hardens whomsoever He wants to harden. Now, this is the way I, I, I see it. If I preach grace to you, that they are, God decided to, this is the way it is, He could have easily, it would have been hard for Esau. It would be hard for the Jewish people. It would be hard for the Muslim people. It would be hard for the Christians that seek justification to, uh, uh, through what they do. Hardening is, happens in the heart of a man. It's not God making you hard. And we're going to read that now quickly um, in Exodus 4 verse 27. Listen to this. Exodus 4 verse 27. There's no unrighteousness with God. He will show mercy on whom He will have mercy. I, I believe the, the correct way of reading it is He will show mercy on whomever He show mercy and then um, people will be hardened because of that. I mean, there was Jesus crying, saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, like a hen gathers her chicks, I wanted to gather you, but you were not willing. Then he goes to Hebrews, he says, don't harden your hearts. Amen. How can God come and harden your heart? Then he says, don't harden your heart. No, it, 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 it doesn't make sense. Exodus 4.27, listen to this. And the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him. Now, did I write this wrong? I think I've got it wrong here. Sorry, man. But what happened was, God said to Moses, this is, this is what the scripture says, God said to Moses, Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him to release my people, but he will harden his heart. God raised up Pharaoh, listen to me, 
God raised up Pharaoh to show his love and his power through Pharaoh to people. So, what Pharaoh was supposed to have done, and this is why he raised him up, was to let the people go. So, God's word to Pharaoh was not some mystical, mysterious thing. It was, Pharaoh, let my people go. Then Pharaoh should have said, yes, it's fine, go. That would have been a greater miracle in the eyes of the Israelites. Because they knew that Pharaoh had them as slaves and were killing them and hammering them. And imagine Moses came and said, Listen, God sent me to you Israelites and you now, I'm going to speak to Pharaoh and he's going to release you. And then he goes to Pharaoh and he says to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, release my people. And Pharaoh does what God created him for and he allows the people to go. It would have been a great miracle in the eyes of the whole world. Isn't it? But then Pharaoh didn't want to. He hardened his heart and that's why he suffered. Let's go to chapter chapter 7. Exodus 7. I hope I wrote this correctly now. Verse 13. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now uh, the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. And Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Now, what he talked about here is, he spoke about Moses. The he there is not God, but Moses. Or, or, um, sorry, Aaron. But Aaron's rod swallowed up all their rods. Yeah, the, the, Moses, and what happened there, hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Why? Because the snake, the, the one snake swallowed up the others. And then he said, you're not going to swallow me, I'll show you. It hardened him. That thing hardened him. And then we can also go to 1 Samuel 6, 6. Um, and that's why, why, why I want to say to you, when you hear this absolute freedom of grace, if you're a first time viewer, don't let it harden your heart. Allow it. Amen. Say, uh, this is not going to harden my heart. I'm going to let God have His way. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to let God have His way. And the wonderful thing that I discovered there was, God's heart was not to harden Pharaoh. God's heart was that was He raised up Pharaoh to be the one that will release His people. So He could have been working for God. Amen. Hallelujah. But then He hardened Himself. And, the, and then He called Israel His firstborn. And if you're going to want to kill my firstborn, your firstborn is going to be killed. Then He became an enemy of God. And that's the whole thing. We can't be an enemy of grace. If you're an enemy of grace... You're going to stand before God in your own willpower. And you're going to stand before God as a man trying to compare with God. And you're not going to qualify. Amen. First Samuel 6 verse 6. First Samuel. Let's just see this. Listen, listen to this. Says verse five. Wherefore you shall make images um, of your 
emeralds and images of your mice um, that, uh, that mar the land, and you shall give glory unto God of Israel. For adventure he will lighten his hand um, from off you, and from your gods, and from off your land. Wherefore, then, do you harden your hearts, as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? So, yes, it's written that God hardened their hearts. But the way God hardened their hearts was by what He did. You know, um, and I've seen it so many times. When I get blessed with a car or a house, some people's hearts get hardened. And I think that's what He's trying to say here, you know. is, is that God trying to use, uh, um, God through, through uh, um, what's His name now, through Pharaoh, wanted to show His power and the release. But He hardened His heart. And God wanted to use Pharaoh for a good purpose. So I want to say the same thing for you. It's by election. God chose Israel. God chose Pharaoh to, for, for Israel to be set free. God chose Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. Amen. God chose you to be righteous by the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what He's saying. Now let's go on there in Romans chapter 9. It says, So then, it is not of him that wills, nor of him that runs, but of God that shows mercy. Verse, um, verse 19, Thou wilt say then unto me, Why do you find fault? For whom has resisted his will? No, but O man, who art you that replies against God? Shall one thing formed say to him that forms it, Why hast thou made me like this? Has not the pot the power over the clay and of the same lump to make a vessel of honor another of dishonor? So what he's saying of the same lump he makes of honor and dishonor. So he made man out of one, out of himself. He made all of man. All of man comes out of Adam. But some of them are going to be to dishonor. And some of them are going to be to honor. Because some of them are going to harden their hearts and some of them are going to believe. Amen. Hallelujah. Now listen to us. What if God, willing to show His wrath and make His power known, endures with much long-suffering the vessel of wrath fitted for destruction? So there are people that had to be destroyed long ago, but God is still kind. They are fitted for wrath. They are vessels that God made all men out of one clay. But some of them are going to be for dishonor because they don't believe the message of grace. But what if God is much long-suffering towards the vessels of wrath. What if God has got much long-suffering towards Israel and He wants them to be saved? What if God has got much long-suffering for people, according to Peter, that says that He is actually uh, postponing His return so that people can believe and be saved? Isn't that the goodness of God? And that he might make known his riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he has afore prepared unto glory. Even us, whom he has called, not of the Jewish only, but also of the Gentiles. As he has said also um, in O.C., I will come, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. So, uh, listen, the, the whole thing, and we'll get into more of this next time, is very simple. In Romans... Nine, it actually says that it's not by your works, but by grace. And I don't want you to be twist, twist the thing out of context and say, well, you know, God is a hard God. That does, look what He's done to Pharaoh and what He's done to Esau. 
No. What he's trying to say out of that, and this is the word that, it's, it's all typology. Trying to explain something, what Paul does is, listen guys, God decided to call people His people that was never His people. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the goodness of God. Now, next Sunday we will continue with that. Amen. Go and read through that. Go and study that. Tell God to show you the mercy in that. Amen. I want to pray for you today in Jesus' name. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, if you've never accepted what He's done for you, you can do it right now. Um, I would like you to, pr- to repeat this prayer after me with an open heart. Just say this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. You've decided that I'll be righteous by Jesus. I can't do anything about it, but accept it. I'm a vessel made by you and will bring honor to you for I accept your finished work. Pour out the fullness of the Spirit in me now. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Father, also bless everybody else. I bless them in their understanding of the Scriptures and enlightened mind. Peace in their hearts as they received your finished work. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, thank you that you've joined us in this service. We're going to play out with a song. And uh, don't forget that on Wednesdays we get together at uh, 13 hours South African time. Now, you've got to work that out. Go onto the internet and uh, we are GMT plus 2. And you must just see when it is your time where you're in the world. But on Wednesdays at 1, we've got cell group where we're going to discuss this word and talk about this. Thank you that you've joined me and God bless you.